0: Last hour ever. <laughs> the world's ending at noon. No, the last hour of Blair and Barker for the week. They'd miss us. Sportsnet 590 Defense, Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet Radio Network, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We're, this ba- basically, we've done all our summer holidays and everything, right? We're here for the duration, I think. You're not going away anywhere
1: this summer, are you? I, I haven't had a holiday. Wait. I, I take off when they tell me to take off. There you
0: go. God, how bad is that? I can't even remember if I've had holidays yet.
1: <laughs> mm. Anyhow, you're on the back nine, Jeff.
0: Uh, back nine. <laughs> back nine. I'm signing the scorecard. Uh, I'm not on the back nine. I'm signing the scorecard. No, you're not. Uh, yeah, I'm signing the Not quite the yet. Card. Almost. I'm reaching for it. I'm reaching for the scorecard. Uh, Twins and Jays will play the second of four games tonight. At Target Field, eight ten will be the first pitch. Jay's coming off a nine three win. Interesting conversation we just had with uh, Thad Levine about the Twins, right. the Twins trade deadline, and um, the approach that he and other general managers take. And he talked about the Tyler Molly deal in particular, and how that was the product of. A couple of years worth of trade talks and he talked about going back to sunny gray when they made the sunny gray mm. deal how you know, both organizations and, and what was his line he said every now and then we would talk and i would diplomatically mention that if you're doing anything with your guy? starting pitchers uh, you know I uh, like you don't don't lose my number <laughs> but it was interesting that basically tyler molly was was the end result of a pursuit that went back past last year's winter meetings so which uh it's a perfect segue to our next guest, Jason Stark of the Athletic and the uh, Starkville podcast, because uh, his column on the Athletic, "What Did the 2022 MLB Trade Deadline Show Us?" Five things we learned. One of the things was you know, the the guy who didn't get traded, the guy who may not be traded, Shohei Ohtani, and I I just wonder. We'll bring Jason on because I, I again I found what what Dad was saying. You could kind of roll it over to the Ohtani thing about how. You know, you're always gathering evidence, and you're always doing your due diligence in a trade. And just because a trade didn't happen right now, doesn't mean it isn't something you'll revisit again in the off season. And and I'll ask you, do you know? Do, do you think Perry Manassian, was was there as much talk around Otani as a lot of us would love to think there was? And do you think that maybe now he has a better understanding of what Otani's trade value is? Or Jason, is because Otani's such a unicorn? Is it just is it is it just different?
2: Well, Jeff. Uh, first off, good morning. Good to talk to you guys. Um, you know, the teams I talked to never took it seriously. I mean, okay. never, never thought for a second that Shohei Otani was getting traded. And I, I think you described it. Perfectly. Um, I don't think Perry Manassian went into it expecting to trade him. I think he told teams he would listen just out of curiosity uh, for what he'd get offered back. Then he could go to Artie Moreno, who never wanted to trade the guy in the first place, and say, Artie, it's just not enough, which is what Artie wanted to hear. And, you know, one of the things that I wrote about in this column, Jeff, is this is not the Juan Soto situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, these two teams may be going in the wrong direction, but they are not the same. Ownerships not only signed off on Juan Soto, they wanted the uncertainty about his contract and his future off their books before they sold the team. Artie Moreno is the opposite. I think he's terrified of trading Shohei Otani. So that's, that's one big factor here. Second is they've got a guy named Mike Trout. They owe him $37 million through 2030. And unless they think he's never going to be the same, isn't their mission statement every year going to be, we've got to get Mike Trout to the playoffs. Mm. And so you can't blow it up and tell Mike, hey, we're we're going to be bad for three years or five years. That That makes no sense. But then there's the third thing. You're talking about the difficulty of figuring out what should you get back for somebody like this when we've never seen somebody like this, mm-hmm. you have to get an all-star hitter, an all-star pitcher, and a guy who makes you more money than any single player you've ever had in the payroll. So you tell me what a guy like that is worth.
0: Uh, I mean, it's like acquiring Matt Olson and Justin Verlander in the same person. I, I, I don't know how you do it. I love the, I mean, your column, there's a perfect line from an executive in there. It's an impossible problem with no solution. <laughs> right. that, that's really what it is. I mean, that's, that is it.
2: That's exactly right. Um, you know, just like in, in, in a way, just like the Nationals hated the idea of trading Juan Soto, but knew they had to. The Angels probably know they need to trade Otani, but know they can't. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of, the, kind of the mirror image. Um, he's a re- he's the reason to go watch their team, yeah. and so even though they they almost. Are certain they can't keep him when he becomes a free agent in a year? He think about the money he makes them, not just people spinning through the turnstiles, but all over Asia. Um, I, I, honestly, the the executives that I polled were almost unanimous that they they keep him th- through next year and just roll the roll the dice. Wow! Offer him a qualifying offer and say, "Oh well."
0: Yeah, that's it's 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 funny. I was thinking back as you were talking because, of course, there were a lot of teams involved in the Shohei Otani, the Shohei Otani sweepstakes, and I remember talking with somebody at the Jays then, and um, and and that person said to me, "Yeah, you know, I said this. I mean, this pursuit must have been really something." And they said, "Oh, yeah, it was." But he said, "You know what? The the most interesting thing is, and we found we weren't getting Otani is." Uh, And I'm not going to say who it was, but one of the executives said, well, at least we don't have to worry about what happens. We have to get rid of him because he's going to make too much money. And that was the, I'm sure there are other teams. Oh yeah. They would have liked him, But this guy said that broke up. There was a moment in the front office. Everybody was quiet and somebody
2: just piped up and everybody started to laugh. And it's true. I know. Right. I I can't even comprehend what his free agent contract is going to look like. Um, All right, you just you use what the comp of Matt Olson plus Justin Verlander. I've I've used Freddie Freeman plus Garrett Cole. Like, are you gonna do we add those two AAVs together and pay him sixty million dollars a year, or how does this work? Yeah,
1: Jason, I just wonder why they didn't call the Dodgers and go, "You got six guys in the top one hundred prospect list. How about starting there? Give me four of those, a couple of big leaguers." (laughs) <laughs> Let's think about that because I, I just wonder how much it's about winning because right now what they're doing, trying to spend as much money as they're trying to spend where Mike Trout's at Rendon. I mean, that looks like a terrible contract. It just, it just terrible. seems like if you were going to trade him, and it would be okay. I know how much money. It seems like they're making so much money off the field because of him and how how many people come to actually watch him. So I'm assuming if you're going to stink and lose 100 games, you might as well make a ton of money. So I understand that part of it. But going forward, <laughs> Jason, it just would make a lot of sense, right, to call somebody that could actually do it like the Dodgers and say, give me this, and maybe we talk about it.
2: Right, well, the, just the idea of them making – a trade like that with the Dodgers. <laughs> I suggest that you review the trade history of angels and Dodgers. <laughs> yeah. You'll find a lot of entries <laughs> sure. in that. So I don't think that was an option. And then, you know, I try to describe the, the difficulty of the on the field return for a guy like this. Um, he, you know, he, he could win the Cy Young. He could lead the league at homers. Mm-hmm. He's already won an MVP. Um, and he's one person. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. so I don't. I honestly don't know what you trade somebody like him for. I, uh, you know, I think their philosophy is going to be a lot like it's been now in recent years. With what can we possibly surround Mike Trout with? What we, what can we possibly surround Trout Notani with? Where the planets line up and we actually win something because the guy wants to win. So the only scenario where they keep him is somehow the formula is right, the roster works, they stay healthy, Uh, Rendon and Trout actually make it through the year, and they win something next year, and he wants to stay. Otherwise, he's gone. Um, I I don't think they can comprehend Otani not being there and the reaction of their fan base to Otani not being there. So, just to even look at this as quote just a baseball trade, I don't think it's within the human capability of that front office.
0: Jason, the uh, you, you also address in your column something I hadn't thought about when I saw the Austin Riley deal, which uh, you know um, an under undermarket deal. I mean, certainly a team friendly deal, and I'd forgotten about the Ozzy Albies deal. And I'd forgotten about Ronald Acuna Jr. And, you know, uh, and, and as you point out in your column, even the Matt Olson column, there's, there, or contract, there's some modest savings there. Oh, it's frightening to figure out, to look at how much money Alex Anthopoulos has saved the Braves because you're, you're talking to an agent. We are talking hundreds of millions of dollars when you get down to it in terms of undervalued contracts. How does that happen?
2: Well, you know, I I think Alex works his charms on these guys and their agents. I think that's certainly a factor. Um, A bigger factor is, you know, you've got all these players from Georgia and the South who love being there. Um, That doesn't explain Acuna and Albies, though, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, those two guys are so tight. They just have a comfort level there and wanted to be there. And, look, they took life-changing money, but then – Stack it up to what they potentially could have made if they had maxed out their market. Um, You think it's reasonable to say that Ozzy Albies is like Jose Altuve Light? Sure. It's kind of close, right? And um, Ozzy Albies is seven years, 35 million, and Altuve's contract is 300 million. Ronald Acuna, Fernando Tatis Jr. are comparable players, right? And Tatis signed for 340 million. Acuna signed for eight years, a hundred million. So just think about the savings there. Are we talking about a quarter of a billion dollars in savings just with those two guys? Possibly, hmm. Not, hmm. not out of the question. And then Olson's the closest to market value. Um, Austin Riley, he gave up. I don't know. Eight, ten, twelve million dollars a year through all his free agent years um, that so now you're depending on what what you decide he would have made I mean that's 50 60 80 a hundred million dollars they save there so if you're saving what 300 to four hundred million dollars yeah. when you lock up your four core players think what that allows you to do um, it really
1: boggles the mind. Yeah, but when, it's, when it starts with a two, it's very hard as a young player to turn that down. I mean, that's yeah, security until no end. And Alex does a really good job of knowing when to offer it. Guy's doing well. He's raking. Team's starting to win. It's right next to the trade deadline. You know, yeah. I get you looking over here, and then I'm going <laughs> to offer you this, and yeah. now it's a little easier to sign it. But I want to bring it back to the Blue Jays and, and get your thoughts on, on baseball-wide, what they thought of what the, the Blue Jays did at the trade deadline.
2: Um, you know, that's an interesting question because I think the Blue Jays did fine. uh they looked at their team and I think rightly decided they could potentially win a world series as currently constructed, uh, one of the best offenses in baseball and one that even has upside over how they played most of the year, uh, rot- rotation depth, still an issue, but you can win a postseason series if it's Manoa Gosman and this version of Barrios in games one, two, three. So adding depth with Mitch White makes sense. Uh he you know, he, he's not gonna take you into the eighth inning, but he'll be fine for five innings. And so they looked at what was out there and bullpen logically was their focus. I mean the two arms they got Uh, Bass and Pop, I wouldn't say they moved the needle, but there was very little out there in the bullpen market that could move the needle beyond Josh Hader. Um, One of the things that we have heard, though, from other teams is the position that the Blue Jays are in. On one hand, do you you guys even know who has the best record in the American League not named the Yankees and Astros? It's the Blue Jays, Mm -hmm. right? So... that's a team that is good enough to win. The problem is the matchup they're looking at, right? They're in that four, five, best of three, terrifying first-round series with either Yankees or Astros waiting beyond that. Should a team like their team have made the kind of statement deal that the Mariners made, for example? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I think that's a question. They had the system to do it, to trade for Luis Castillo, but didn't want to dip that deep into that system.
0: Uh, one of the things Thad Levine told us when we talked to him was, uh, you know, this is obviously with the the new the New CBA. We're not going to have this. Is actually a trade deadline, right? We don't have to always put that paragraph in our stories now. However, once the deadline passes, it's still possible for <laughs> da 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 da, right? I mean, it's, it's a, yeah, it's it's not anymore. Which which thank God because I used to that used to just drive me nuts because you'd have to put it in your story and your editor would say, "Where's the story about the the the, the trades after the trade deadline?" It's all about you, Jeff. Yeah, exactly. It is. <laughs> uh, but one of the points he made was you know he used Sandy Leone as an example and said that's a deal that we made at the deadline that in previous years we may have said, look, let's just, you know, Molly Lopez, Fulmer, good bit of business. Let's kind of see where the catching goes. And then maybe we'll look at adding somebody like Sandy Leon. Do you think that had more of an impact than people thought at some of with some of the lower end deals, you know, guys adding a Sandy Leon now, instead of saying, ah, we'll wait till the catchers go on waivers and then we'll start plucking guys
2: out of there. Well, we've seen this this now two years in a row um, since we went to this system. Um, because you can't address depth if you have an injury after August 1st, um, you have to do what you can to address it in July. Otherwise, you're just stuck with guys who get released <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, or are kicking around AAA. And we've, I, I, I honestly thought we saw more of it last year than we've seen this year. Mm-hmm. But teams totally think about it and need to.
0: Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., speaking of players who released, has been released by the Red Sox. Do you think somebody will take a shot at him? Now, there's an $8 million next year, right? But the Red Sox are on the hook for that. Are they not?
2: Uh, Assuming that he passes through waivers and nobody claims him, they're on the hook for all of it. Right. Um, He's been one of the worst offensive players in baseball Mm -hmm. for two years. And so... (laughs) <laughs> it's a really interesting question about whether somebody thinks there's something there that they can unlock in him offensively. If the Red Sox couldn't do it, yeah. um, it is it even possible anymore? I'm going to say no. So if you, if you have the kind of roster where you just want somebody who catches the ball, and you're fine with just using them in the late innings when you're ahead, or you've you've got such a good offense that you don't really you don't really care about it. The, what he contributes to it, then yeah. But I mean, this is a this is now a below average major league player, mm-hmm. uh, other than with a glove. Right.
1: This may be a tough question to answer, but I think if anybody can answer it, it's you. Uh, getting rid of Hader, the Brewers. You think that's destroyed their season. It just seems like chemistry-wise it's a big deal for them. It's like the little engine that could. Everybody had the little job. You know, Devin Williams, I like the eighth inning. I don't know. You know, I can do the ninth inning, but I'd rather do the eighth inning because the big (laughs) boy that's left-handed has got that taken care of. Do you think that's going to be real tough for them to, to come out of?
2: You know, Kevin, I've always had a philosophy that if I'm in first place at the deadline, the most dangerous thing I can do is subtract from my big league team, mm-hmm. especially subtract a guy who's historically great, has been the one of the biggest difference makers in the sport, uh, a guy who literally has never been traded any deadline in history, um, and that's what they did. Uh, you know, my first instinct was, well, this is just kind of how the Brewers operate. And the return was fine. I get it. But the more I thought about Mm -hmm. it, the less I liked it. What was that team's identity? What was the reason to fear them in October? What was the path for the Brewers to potentially win a World Series? Pitching. Pitching. It was three four starters who could dominate you at the front of the game and then the guys at the back who you had no prayer of even getting a hit against at the at the end of the game and they messed with that formula uh you know I, that was that was the item that uh i got left out of my column i was going to do a whole section on it today and then uh, i forgot i Revisit it later, but it was so interesting. Okay, this is the day after the deadline, talking to a guy from uh, another contenting team about this, and he said, I, I, you know, I, on one level, I like what they did, but here's the problem with it. Uh, the first time you lose a game in the eighth or ninth inning, it becomes a thing. It becomes a narrative, and it gets into everybody's head. It gets into players' head because it gets asked about every day. So what has happened in the three games since they traded Josh Hader? They blew multi-run leads in the seventh or later in every game, and Mm -hmm. they've had two straight walk-off losses now to the Pirates. Um, So that narrative that they feared – it's there, and they also have to wake up, look at the standings, and the Cardinals have caught them. So, what you know, what they hoped would be just kind of a little minor brush fire they could douse and move on. Now it, it's a it's a raging inferno, and it's going to be really difficult for that team and that clubhouse and that fan base to move past this deal.
0: Jason, good stuff as always, my friend. Thank you for doing this. Have a great weekend. Thanks a lot. Be well. Yep, always enjoy talking to you guys. Thanks. Take care. Thank you. Jason Stark of the Athletic and uh, Starkville podcast. And uh, with some interesting, I, mean, I find the Otani discussion just absolutely, absolutely it, it, it fascinating.
1: So, it, it, it sounds like they're making so much money off of him that they don't care if, well, they, if they win 50 games. They don't, they don't care. Well, yeah. so if I so if I trade him and I get prospects and you know I win a couple of more games this year and it may help me get off to a better start next year, but it's not Otani, and I can't yeah. sell that to my fan base and to whoever else I'm trying to make I mean, more think, money off of. So it makes a little sense when it comes to moneymakers.
0: I think what you almost what you almost have to do, and it's hard, but I think what you almost have to do is write it out and say. If we lose Otani as a free agent, you've got to have a fallback. You've got to say, if we lose him as a free agent, let's go out and try to sign somebody else. You've got to do something to show your fans that you're not just, you're going to sit there. So if Otani walks, maybe you go out and blow the doors off. I don't know who, maybe Carlos Correa decides he wants to go into free agency two years down the road. So you go out and say, okay, we can't. Bring back Otani, but we got Trout. We'll get Correa. Let's. That's why this this season was so important for the Angels to get, and and why the Anthony Rendon deal I think is going to be one that really hurts them is 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 to get the pieces in place so that when you do lose Otani, mm. now you can say to your fans, "We're going to get you." Yeah, Otani's not here, but you know what? We got Carlos Correa and pick another guy. I don't know. We got yeah. Carlos Correa and. Uh, Pick a free agent pitcher and we're going to be better.
1: Well, I think that's listen what to you have you talk to do. There, that, that organization is just like every other organization. They're greedy. They want to make as much money. And if they got a money maker, they're yeah. going to drain that as, as long as they can possibly drain it. makes too much sense to trade him. It, it really does. What they're doing there is not working. If you're okay finishing fourth every single year, right. continue to do what you're doing. Okay, and but spend let me ask you define not working. It's not they're working. In four, they're in fourth place, yeah. and the only reason they're in fifth place is because of the A's. Yeah, they're,
0: they're, it, that's not working. But they're making money hand over fist off this guy.
1: Absolutely, that's the that's what I get about yeah. the greed thing. It's not you know, it's not always a lot of the times There's about winning. There's good business winning. and good baseball no business. No question,
0: absolutely. That's
1: it right there. Uh,
0: we appreciate Jason Stark joining us. As is always the case, uh, we are going to do Barker's back leg bits in the next segment. DMs are open. We've got a lot of questions. For Kevin, uh, interesting question from Chris right out the gate. We'll deal with that about John Schneider and his communication skills. Something Kevin's talked about. Kevin knows John Schneider better than any of us, and uh, something he stressed to me because I I just knew John Schneider as a guy who was the you know the double A manager, and I'd spoken to him. We'd spoken to him a couple of times about Vladdy and Bo and all that. I know he's a terrific guy, but you know you 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 were certainly able to give us a little insight into him, So we'll deal with that in uh, Barker's back leg bits, there was something else Jason said that I wanted to ask you about. Oh, yes, the Austin Riley deal and the Braves now have... They have a core four like the Yankees did. Mm-hmm. They're all under value. And Jason made the point about a lot of those guys are guys from the Southeast. And I was thinking of you because when you grew up, you were a Braves fan. The Braves were...
1: Uh, people, the, the Reds pe- and the Braves. The Braves
0: are a big team in the South, aren't they? Like they're you know, Canada's got the no Blue question. Jays. St. Louis is a big team in the Midwest. They had really the, good players. They the, won all the time. They were easy to root. But for. the Braves are a big regional team. No, like question. all those places. I mean, you know, Georgia, not just Georgia, but. Virginia, West Virginia, well, West Virginia may be more Pittsburgh territory, but Virginia, South Carolina, the Carolinas, through to Mississippi, all those places. Mm -hmm. The Braves are the big regional team because of, and because of TBS as well, right? Because of the Turner broadcast. Well, let's
1: be honest. They didn't stink for a long time. They were really, really good. They were very easy to root for. Because they were the best. And they're the best always on TV. In the, in the National <clears throat> League, no, no question. And they always had, you know, Chipper Jones was the the easy name because of his name. It's, I mean, it's easy to remember. He's a really good player. He's a mm-hmm. switch hitter. Like he was. And then they won all the time. The, the Glavins of the world, like they were doing things. And it yeah. was an easy, they were an easy watch because they were winning. So, yeah, it was the 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 contract thing for me is, is all about timing how if you're a young guy do you all if somebody if your boss comes up to you and offers you 10 at 212 Ain't no way there's no way even though your value is probably higher and you know it your agent knows it your agent's probably going now you know you can get more but man i like it here and 212 million bucks is a ton of money i never have to worry about money again so it's all about timing that's that for me is alex value is you got to know when to, to dip your toe into when to go have the conversation. And he seems to be really good at that. Yeah.
0: Well, I keep thinking of the deal he signed uh, Edwin Encarnacion to after coming out of the All-Star break one year. And, you know, I, I was never able – I've always said I'm not a fan of – I understand why it happens. But I'm not a fan of, hey, we got to get a deal done by the end of spring training or we're not going to talk. I'm just not a fan of that. I think if, if you're dealing with a guy from your organization, you should be able to have that conversation at some point because you're dealing with the agent. It's not like you're going to go down to Bo Bichette and say, hey, Bo, let's sit down, come on up to the office, let's hammer out a 10-year, $300 million yeah, contract think, right now. I'll bring coffee. Well,
1: you, you know as well as anybody, the conversations with the big boys probably start with the big boys first, and then it trickles down to the agent. Okay, I like what I you're saying. I, I think it's I, got. I think it's that relationship back and forth. You get the you get the ball yeah, rolling. I think you got to probably go. with the agent, and then it carries around to the because yeah. you got to have a good relationship. You got to be able to I sell did, it to the player. And oh, by the way, the division they play in, other than the Mets, how long are the Mets? No, but that, be but I'm
0: not just talking about it. But I'm, I'm saying in general. I, I'm just saying in general. I never, I never. Yeah, you're a ball player. How? It, I don't understand how that can be distracting. How you're going to get. Two hundred and twelve million or two hundred and fifty million. That's coming, for, that's
1: coming million. from the agent. He th- he thinks that, he can this, hold it over. This, this the, is the the organization. my organization. This is
0: my point. This is what I'm saying. I that don't. i never player. I've never understood that.
1: If Aaron if, Judge wouldn't sign for four hundred million if they wanted to give him that tomorrow, I hope he would. Oh, yeah, that's the agent.
0: Anyhow, it's uh, but yeah, Alex. That that Jason's column. Just read it and do the math and 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 the savings. If you look at the contracts that Albie's Acuna. Uh, and uh, Austin Riley have signed and Matt Olson as well, and what their projected value is, you get over three hundred million dollars in savings over the life of those four the four years of those contracts. Three hundred million. And that's at a time when the Braves are making money hand over fist. The Braves have already, Maury Brown of Forbes had a story today, they've made forty million bucks this year already, just on the ticket sales and stuff, and and you know, the area they own around the ballpark but, but, just on baseball, they made forty million bucks already this year,
1: yeah, they've created a city around that, yeah. stadium now.
0: And then you got a GM who's saving them a third of a billion dollars. Boy, Boy if you're the Liberty media, you're looking at that and going, huh.
1: Alex needs a raise,
0: yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that's a first. Can not give you a raise cuz I just gave 212 to my...
1: million to I, somebody. Yeah, no, I can I could actually
0: you, you can give me a raise. I just saved your ass 300 million dollars now, you know. How about how about uh, you know, Papa needs a brand new car here. Come on. Let's go.
1: Andy, up. I'm sure Papa's driving a nice car.
0: Probably is. Uh we're going to take a break and come back with Barker's Back Lake Bits. It's Blair and Barker on SportsNet 590 the Fan 360 and as always Apple Spotify wherever you get your favorite podcast. Great daily gambling advice from JD, Blake, and Alish in the Fan Morning Show's Wake and Rake. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, you're just missing it, man. You Mr. Barker's busy rubbing up a ball right now.
1: You touched it. I got to rub all the dirty off it. Okay, and what's amazing that by I said. By the way, the other day. this to throw a two-seamer, and you just were rolling that ball around in your fingers to. Oh, it was too greasy. We're, we're, it, was we're, we're, of, it was kind of. That's greasy. the first thing you said too. I did. I that's said it whiny. was slick. We don't whine in this show. It was slick. Okay, I
0: actually saw the dude rubbing up the baseballs. The uh, MLB guy rubbing there's up a, the baseballs. There's a special guy yeah, there just I, for that. I, I saw him. I, I walked by him. When was the last? What did last you say? You're, we doing... you're doing a terrible job. No. <laughs> I walked up you stink at your job. No, I walked up and said, oh, you missed a spot right there. What did he say? He just kind of looked at me and did that. Hey! Oh, I can't do that on <laughs> TV. Well, well anyhow, <laughs> he told me I was number one. <laughs> hey, you missed a spot, man. Uh, Come on, you've uh, done that every now and then. Uh, what? Yeah, when somebody's, like, if, haven't you done that? You walk by somebody painting a house and, and just kind of stopped and stared for five minutes and not said anything. They get nervous. Like, if house painters are out there, and they're painting a house, and you're walking by I've done this just for Absolutely giggles. not. Just stop and look and kind of go, get that look in your face. You need a and, hobby. And the painter looks at you like, why is that guy looking at the house? And you're kind of going, you know, and the painter's looking back at you, and you're,
1: eh. what's, no, the, you old, what's, what's the old guy with the tight shorts doing looking at me while I paint? <laughs> why, you've never done that? Absolutely great. not. I have too many hobbies. Uh, to be walking around town looking for people painting houses.
0: <laughs> that's always good too. Yeah. When you, if somebody's a bricklayer or something like that, they're laying yeah. bricks, and if you kind of look at it and start tilting your like head, like it's crooked, like it's crooked, and they're strange? going, God. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's how we roll, uh, man. No, that's hey, how you roll. You know what? <laughs>
1: That's how they do it in Hamilton. I think
0: I think I think that <laughs> I think the happiest I've ever been was like just it was like a couple months ago dudes they were fixing the uh the uh chimney chimney in a house. I was walking by. I was in a good mood so I start, stopped and just kind of looked at the ch- at the chimney and I was looking at it and I thought yeah, that is a little crooked. And the, there are two guys up there looking at me and we said, "What are you looking at?" I said,
1: "I'm nothing. I said, just admiring the You lost lost me. You were in a good mood. Yeah. You lost me. Uh,
0: Hey, you know what time it is? It's It's time for Barker's Back Leg Bits. Mr. Guillen, thank you very much for joining us. Be honest. You don't remember Kevin Barker as a player, do you? It's like
1: 50 years ago we played. Good morning, guys. No, I drink too much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I still want Ozzie Guillen to manage the Chicago White Sox. No, you don't. Oh, yeah, I do. Oh, yeah, I do. Just a minute. That's not straight. Move it a little more that way. Uh, Barker's Backleg Bits is that time of the show where we solicit questions for Kevin Barker. And you answer them. And, you an- and I answer them. <laughs> and I look up at TV, yeah. MLB Network, and who's on TV? John Paul Morosi. Yeah. America's house guest, as oh. I call him, Canada's house guest. You think Seriously. he's wearing
1: pants? <laughs> Seriously. Tell me the truth.
0: Uh, Barker's Backleg Bits, uh, Chris. Hi Chris. Hi Chris. I would like John Schneider to be named manager. Drop the interim. His communication skills and leadership and getting things done sounds like a great combination. Charlie maybe was too nice as a player manager. She wants to know Christine from Oshawa. Have you heard from him and how is he doing? Uh, actually, no. no. Uh, people around the organization have have spoken to him. Yeah, my understanding was he was he was surprised by it. Um, but that's sort of the only read I've gotten off it. Look, I, I will say this about, about John Schneider. Barker, you gave us the, you know, the insight on him. He is a good communicator. Uh, he's a big man. And he can mm. command a room. What I found interesting about his... The first couple of days he was manager was the way he handled the naming of the All-Star of, of the guys to the all-star game. Remember he brought everybody into the clubhouse to have a meeting and it was Santiago Espinal was going to the game. Remember they had Tim Mesa bringing in a rolling bag because they were going to announce that Jordan Romano had been named to the all-star game and their buddies. Mm. And then we had John Schneider talked about having a meeting coming out of the all-star. Remember they had a meeting before a series and he said, Hey, um, you know, we're going to have, I mean, are going to more of these. And, What I like is, and I know how you feel about meetings, but whenever you... Every player feels that way. Anytime you hear, the Jays had a team meeting, you know, the Uh doors are closed, the lights are off. Yeah, fight, 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 (laughs) and all this stuff. But what I liked about what John John was kind of coming up with is, hey, there are going to be times where where I'm going to get guys together and we're going to talk. And I like the fact that it's... Now, if you're a, a Jays player... There's no, oh, my God, you know, Skip wants to have a meeting. This yeah, is yeah, going to yeah. be
1: boring. You know what I mean? There's People aren't more- going to like my answer to that because, you know, the, I look at the clubhouse thing a little different than most people. I've been in a ton of them. When, when, the, normally when you have meetings, most of the time they're not for good reasons. He has something to say that he doesn't like seeing. That's why you have them. It's rare that you're just having a meeting just because you want to get to know each other. Hi, no, but hey, I think what
0: like the I, thing uh, is. But I think what the thing is, if you create an environment where it's
1: not, my door's um, always there's open. No drama. is true about him, and that's what I it's like. It's Not always been true. I, I know managers okay. have said that it's not. That's not the case. I mean, I hate to tell people that way. Oh, it's like, not. Like absolutely, it's not you know always. that the 25th guy. The, the, that door's not open. Uh. <laughs> it's just not. Like they, I know they like to say that. But it ain't because I know I was the 24th or 25th guy, so uh, we know better than that. I but- went.
0: I once had a. I once had a player tell me, manager. Nobody with, nobody recently, but uh, I was waiting to go in and see the manager, and there was nobody on, <laughs> or there was nobody in the manager's office, and there was a player there, and I said, you know, are you going in to see him? I'll wait till afterwards. He said, I'm not going to go in to see him. Lights are on. No one's home. And I
1: thought, okay, well, so much for your open open true, door. But it is true. It's true. Now I may. With John, it may be different than that, just because there there is still a little of that because you see him over there doing the handshakes before the game. He's and a younger guy he too. Is, he's, he's a he younger is, man. He is. He's he, a younger man. He gets what turns their crank. He's a younger man. How about he's, that? You know what? I bet that's about the easiest way to say it yep. is he's he's seen most of those guys at their worst. Yes, that's a and good he point. knows how to flip this. That's their job. That is a coach's, not so much a manager's job at the big league level, but it is now, especially on this team. Most of the guys that matter on this team are young. Yeah. They're still trying to figure it out. All and He right. knows what turns the switch back on. I just like how he doesn't let things fester. The, the lineup change. Yeah, I agree with him. I like how the bow, the bow thing, he's struggling, man. He swings at way too much stuff. Just He gets himself out a lot. I don't know if this takes pressure off him, but I do know what it does. It tells hit the rest of his teammates that we ain't messing around. Yeah. I don't care if you're the starting shortstop who plays every single day. I don't care. If there's a guy that's better than you are yep. right now, we're going to put that guy in the best positions to help our team win a baseball game. That's what I like it, the most. And, it, and
0: it's really, I think it's really important when you establish that early as No a question.
1: That's why he did the lineup change so yeah. quickly. You want to know why he did it? If I'm doing this now, it sends the message that it's about winning, and I'm going to put my best player that I think is the best player
0: in that best position. I don't know about this, but Stacey Sullivan says, I'm supposed to tell you that uh, you need to be careful when you use the phrase letting your taco meat hang out because it does mean something else in Canada. I have no idea what Stacy's saying, but I, it struck me as funny. Um, don't read too much into it. Justin McCarter, I think you're making a mole out of an anthill with Bo moving down one spot, Aaron Judge moves from leadoff to third multiple times in a week. I think Bo will be fine. I think Aaron Judge just does that versus – Aaron Judge was hitting second a couple of times too. Again, it's not – there's two ways to look at this, right? There are guys who will tell you, yeah, I don't really care where I hit in the lineup. I'm the same guy. There's some guys like that, but there are other guys to whom it matters. Like, you know, Larry Walker. Larry Walker hit third. Now, Larry Walker said he hit third because he was superstitious, 33, and everything. Larry was superstitious, but Larry also, I mean, Larry liked hitting third. There are some guys who like hitting in certain spots, and there are other guys that really don't, that really don't care. I, th- I think the point here is Aaron Judges may be used to moving up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. That's fine. But when you're a guy who isn't used to moving up and down, up and down, up and down, now all of a sudden you're moving down and down and down, there's got to be a way to sell it to you. And I think that's what, what what we're getting at with. And and the other thing with Bo and Vladdy, <clears throat> let's be clear. These guys, since they came into the majors, they, it's been an upward trajectory. They've only been in the majors for a couple of years, and they've had their hiccups. But by and large, it's been an upward trajectory. At the end of their years the past three years we've looked at them and gone, they're better players. They're getting better. They're getting better. This is it's kind of a different time.
1: Don't now. overthink it. Bo's not having a good year offensively. You you're trying to put him in the best position to help your team win a baseball game. Hitting cleanup is a <clears throat> is a run producing position. That's why it's called the cleanup hitter. And when you're not getting it done and somebody else is having a better week, two weeks and hitting some home runs and driving in runs, you got a better guy for that position, you'll put him in that spot. It's, it's more about the manager would actually do it and how quickly he will do it.
0: Alec the Anvil. <laughs> love that name. Alejandro Kirk hasn't been great lately, and he's batting in the third spot. Schneider has been quick to rearrange the batting order. So far it's been good, but how reactive is too reactive with regards to mixing up
1: the order? People th- overthink these things a lot. Well, like it but it, but it that's is because the, all of all of this has to do with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You're putting Vladdy in the two spot to get him more at bats than the other guys. You, and you want him coming up when it matters the most in the ninth inning with a runner on, and the and the him coming up when he hit third after having two outs on two pitches. That's not good enough. So they're trying to put him in good spots. And then there's everybody else. And you put everybody else where you think that they can complement. What's going on when guys are on base? And right now, Alejandro Kirk, up until the last, you know, what is he, th- three for his last whatever, 27 or 26 or whatever it is. So he's, he's going through some things. But up until that little bad stretch, he'd been good doing things. You know, hitting baseball's hard, a tough out. That's why you put him in the three hole. So just don't overthink it. Like, it's, it's about Vladdy, and then it's about everybody else. And everybody else is going to be put in those spots when everybody else is hot.
0: I think that's pretty. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. I think that's pretty straightforward. Uh, just going through here. <laughs> okay. Did you ever play? No, we asked you this question. Somebody wants to know about playing in dome stadiums. Which roof was worse, the trop or the old? I've never played. Dump? Dump. Did you play in uh, Minnesota at I didn't uh, the Metrodome? Okay. Well, then I won't ask you that question. Houston. I played in Houston. And the Astrodome. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And and the and the new one.
0: Oh, Look. and the new one, both. Yeah. Did you see any of the rats in the Astrodome? Biggest rats ever. No. I don't care about no rats. The rats were so big that with the, I thought that's Milwaukee. Oh God, no. That's the old well, that was in the stands. The in looked in, like in, raccoons. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's always bad when the it's always bad when the rats walk by you and go sorry excuse us uh, no the the Astrodome there were so many there were so many rats at visiting players I remember the Expos players used to put their shoes up in the top of their is that true <laughs> top of their locker yeah because the rats were huge they were humongous you used to go down in the after the game go down to get your interviews you'd walk down through the you know you'd, through the bowels of the Astrodome and I mean it just stunk and all you'd hear is You'd hear these things. You could tell there were rats running around. It was great. You used to book it. You used to go down to do the interviews, run like hell, get yeah. back up to the elevator. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. Do you like? Do you remember? Do you remember anything? Because the Astrodome is. I mean, there are people out there who, baseball fans, who won't remember much about the Astrodome. That was hugely famous. It was the first big dome stadium. I actually used to like watching games there, uh, but you don't remember much about it.
1: Not really. It was early, it was early it in my career. It was dark. I it, remember it was dark. Left field was very dark. Yeah. Left field was very dark. I do remember that. So it was like they're – it's big leagues, man. Bears. Not the minor leagues. <laughs>
0: yeah, you were <laughs> – what I thought. You were cashing that big league meal money, man.
1: Uh, that's when you actually got meal money.
0: It is when you got meal <clears> money. That's right. Uh, yeah, that's uh, – boy, there's a lot of a lot of questions – yeah, a lot of people really do. We're really into the batting order. I didn't realize they that. They
1: don't like it? They like it?
0: No, they do like it, but the, a lot of people are, are uh, yeah, a lot of people just, uh, just talking about. I think it's a thing that, that fans, uh, fans and media, I think we make it, we, we do tend to make a big deal about the batting order. I think a lot of it is because, you know what it is? I think when you go into, when you go into a clubhouse, the first thing you do as a reporter, the first thing you do as a player is you look at the lineup. The first thing you do as a reporter is look at the batting order. And the batting order, the the order tends to structure a lot of the pregame conversation, right? With the manager. Like I guarantee you yesterday, well, yesterday's a bad example because there was the Whit Merrifield thing. But let's say that the clubhouse is open today. Everybody goes in and Alejandro Kirk is batting seventh and Matt Chapman's batting third. I'm just pulling that out. What's going to be the topic of conversation? What's going on with And that's, that's why it's, it's, it's kind of the first thing that happens during the day involving the team. And I think that's why it, it creates so much of the churn, so much of the news around the team is, is, the, uh, is the lineup. Uh, you know, in some ways, more so even than a, whether or not a guy is benched or not. Uh, but I, I do wonder how, with, with, with Whit Merrifield, that boy, at least they didn't call him Whitfield, although I've come close a couple of times, with Whit Merrifield, Whoa. I wonder how much consistency or how much flux there will be in, in John Schneider's lineup. It
1: sure, seems like it's performance driven. He's playing well, he's hitting the baseball. He'll play more. And, and if Santiago Espinal, when he plays, is uh, continues to take a step backwards offensively, that'll give him a good reason to give Witt more time at second base. And obviously, we know he's going to play a little bit more see, there, center field. So he's going to get his opportunity.
0: I, I can see games where he'll be at second top. will be in center. Springer will be DHing. No perhaps. Rush. Or, you know, he's in center field. Santiago Espinal or Bidgeo are at second. Part of me thinks we may see more of Bidgeo in the outfield ultimately here as a result of all these as a result of all these moves. I know he's been taking a lot. He's taken a lot of fly balls in the outfield, but it it's I thought Tabby and, and Dan did a good job last night talking about sort of the impact of Whit Merrifield, Whit Merrifield on the lineup and and
1: security blanket. Yeah, <clears throat> that's what it is. Would you rather have had another guy that throws a bazillion miles an hour uh, who could pitch the seventh and eighth inning? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, but I, no I have no question. A, I, but I, this, I, this, this is uh, I
0: have no problem. Like I said, no. the trade deadline, I'm, I'm fine getting, getting a Whit Merrifield, and it'd be better if he was a left-handed hitter. I get all that, but you know that the, the, the only issue I had with the trade deadline was the, I expected more in terms of, in terms of relief pitching, and I think, I think most people did. But, sure. Um, let's see what Anthony Bass and Zach Pop. Uh, Would Zach Pop give this team? As I said, they will be upgrades over the guys they are replacing. They're and a really that good team. Are they a, a great
1: team? Is the question. Yeah, that's the question you got to ask yourself.
0: There are a lot of uh, there are a lot of teams in Major League Baseball asking that about themselves right now. Just how good are we, and does it does it? Yeah, matter? but not
1: every one of those teams play in the American League East. Yeah, and
0: uh, yeah, the Yankees are. It's gonna be it'll be interesting to keep track of the Yankees in the next in the next couple of weeks. Garrett you know?
1: Cole's a big deal. Yeah,
0: I saw MLB Network. We're talking about the players. You know, Mark DeRosa was talking about the players in the game that he thinks are under the most pressure going down the stretch here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Garrett Cole was his number one. I think Garrett Cole is Garrett Cole and Fernando Tatis Jr. When he comes back, are going to be under an awful lot of pressure. Although I think Cole is the guy. That's gonna to have to bear the New brunt New
1: York, of it. all the money they, they spent on him. Yeah, don't want to waste what, that area. What the judge here. what the Astros did, what the yeah. Mariners had done. Like, you know, Seattle came in and, and thumped them a little. Yeah. I mean, I you know, he had a bad first inning and then he cleaned it up after that. But you know, guys that you pay that much money to Well, you know what? Garrett, aren't, you know, they're not supposed to have bad innings.
0: No, and, and so, yeah, he's exactly quite right. frankly, you're what is Garrett Cole? Is this his third year, at the Yankees? You're supposed to win a World Series. Your third year with the Yankees.
1: A lot of that's Bino. luck. But, yeah, I'm with you. He's got to be really good. Slam dunk and everybody, they worry about everybody else. Yeah.
0: yeah. Third year with the Yankees. You've got to win a World Series. Anyhow, that's it for us for this week. Uh, Mr. Barker and myself will be doing Blue Jays talk on Sunday following the fourth game of the Minnesota Twins series. If you're listening to us and you're from Manitoba, Saskatchewan, or Ontario and you're going to the Twins games, uh, this weekend, enjoy yourself, travel safely, have a great time, make lots of noise, etc., etc. Mm. The have Jays, fun. the Jays, will be in Baltimore next week, which will be. Why are you laughing? Because the first of fifteen games against the Baltimore Orioles. The surprising. You Baltimore should beat Orioles.
1: the O's. Okay? Yeah,
0: you should. You should, and uh, we'll be back on Monday from ten to noon Eastern on Sportsnet five ninety The Fan three sixty. Have a great weekend, everybody.